Powerful at Work Radio, episode 43. Welcome to Powerful at Work Radio, the podcast for professionals who see their work as a calling. I'm your host, Rosa Ponce de Leon, and together we'll explore how people can position themselves to make a real difference with their work. We will cover topics ranging from leadership to emotional wellness to what true power looks like and everything in between. If you're ready to do work differently, tune in and join the movement. Now let's get after it. Sue Schultz is a coach and mentor. She has guided clients through the world of talent management for over 30 years. From placing cold calls for various recruiting firms to running her own recruiting business, she understands what it takes to find your dream job and live your best life. Learn about the Integrated Life Academy or personalized coaching opportunities that will help you get your life and career on track. Sushal, so happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because we spend a lot of time talking about leadership and culture, and you're really in the trenches preparing people to connect the right talent with the right organization. So let's talk about that. I first start with my my clients on their you. Who are they? Where do they come from? What are the barriers? What's the limiting beliefs that they have that cause them not to go where they want to be or not to know what they even want or if Mm -hmm. they're worthy of anything, right? Mm -hmm. And then at that point, then we build out what do they want in 10 years, not today, what's 10 years like and back Mm -hmm. out the goals for that career because they can have it, but most of them are daunting. It's daunting because Mm -hmm. they think they can't get to it because they don't have enough skills, but what they don't realize they got 10 years to get there and 10 years to get the education and 10 years to get the experience or whatever is required. And when they're looking for that job, we're looking at culture, manager, team. We we are looking at the the position that aligns with their 10-year goal, but we're also looking for the company so that they're successful in that job. And then I look at life. And if they have a job in 10 years, what does their life look like? Who's in it? Do they have a family? What does it look like? And how does it align with the career so that they know where they're driving to Mm -hmm. in life and career so that they can actually achieve it? No, that's huge to actually have a 10-year plan because you can't manifest something you don't actually see for yourself. Right. You can't and and you get stuck. That's where my clients are stuck. They're like, I feel so stuck and I can't get out. But it's really because you have nowhere to drive to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you are stuck because you're at the dead end road. Well, you know, I had a friend that no used to say, it. hope is not a destination. Yes, <laughs> we can't just right. hope we're going to get there. We, we have to, hope is certainly an ingredient, but it's not the destination. The destination has to have a name and a, a face to it. Yep. Okay. Well, I love that because the approach, it's, it sounds so common sense and so practical, but few of us really get that type of advice and that type of mentorship. So when it comes to landing a job, most people, they look for the the salary, all the benefits and these things are important. No one's denying that. But when you overlook the, how does this fit with me and how do I fit into this organization? Because you're going to be joining hands with people. How do you go about doing some of this research and, and really finding out what the company is all about? Because we mentor leaders that have small businesses, And where should they be investing their resources to put themselves out there for the right candidates? Well, I I give, I start with my people because we look at an assessment. 
-hmm. Where mm -hmm. should they be? What size company? What size team? What should their manager be like? That kind of stuff so that, and then we build questions. So they're going into their interviews asking the questions. Mm. So they come back and they can say, well, they're not aligned with the team that I want, or the manager is a micromanager and I wanted an inspirational leader or whatever that looks like. So they can make a decision if they get an offer based on all the facts mm -hmm. instead of just that job description. Because most people, as you know, go to the job interview and they interview for the job, but never ask any questions. Mm -hmm. They call, do you have any questions? No, I have no questions. Just give me the job. Right. And so what happens is in a couple of years, they're stuck and they're not happy. They're happy for the first six months. Then they're not happy because they didn't look at the whole picture of the culture, like we said, and the team mm -hmm. and the manager. They only looked at the job and the pay and the benefits, mm -hmm. which are part of it, but they're only 50% of it. So you're talking about asking questions as part of the hiring process, but are you guys doing any research in terms of the web presence and where, where else are we looking for a well, sense or a feel, even, even just putting companies on the radar that might be a possibility for me? So I first, when I teach them how to look for jobs, we then, when you get a phone interview, let's say, look at the company website, look at Glassdoor, look at LinkedIn, look at the people that are working there, see how long they've worked there. Those are the kind of things you can get before you go on the interview. What's the company's, you know, you can see what people are saying that work there. And you have to go further than the top five responses, say on Glassdoor or something, because mm -hmm. You might see two people that were unhappy with interview process or unhappy with the manager, but if you go further, the company is fine, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have to like dig deeper, but you can start in those kind of places, see what they're all about, see how long they've been in business, how their growth is, different things like that. But when it comes to culture, you'll find it through some of what people say, right? Mm -hmm or how long people stay at the company, but you really got to ask questions. You got to ask HR the questions. You got to ask the team that you're meeting, the employees that you're meeting, and your manager that you're meeting, the questions that will lead to what kind of culture it is, right? Yeah. And this approach that you're describing of, of not just asking the people in the interview, like talking to people, have conversations, you, you, they don't owe you anything. You don't owe them anything right now. This is the no. time. And, yep. and, and some people might be listening and thinking, well, they're not going to tell me the truth, but I can tell you having done tons of assessments and in, in, in places of business, people will tell you, maybe not everyone, but one or two people will give you a cue. It'll be in their body language. It'll be in what they don't say. It'll be in the way they say something like, ah, you might want to look somewhere else. If that's what you want, like probably this isn't yep. it. People will tell you, they'll let you know. Yep. If you ask them the correct way. Yes. I also teach the personalities, like mm. the four personalities and how you talk to them. So mm. once they figure out if they're an analytical type person, their questions should be data driven, asking them questions that they'll want to respond data driven wise, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or if they're service oriented or a promoter, how to ask the questions to them mm -hmm. as, as they spend a couple of minutes and, and determine what it is, who they are so that 
they're actually going to tell them more, right? Because they're now connected. But Mm -hmm. but if they don't learn how to do that on the interview process, what's going to happen is they're going to talk to a controller as a promoter, as a rah-rah type person, right? right? And they don't hear them then that you could be the best qualified person, but they're not hiring you. (laughs) No, you're right. You didn't connect. And that's huge. The fact that you're spending time with that makes that person so much more intelligent in the way that they uh, come up with a strategy and their line of questions. That's huge. And and I think any business would want somebody who's so equipped to come to present themselves in front of them for a job interview. Like this person's ready. I don't need to do much else. The onboarding process is it can start right now. Yeah, give them an offer. Because we're connecting. Well, you know, we're connecting. We're like, okay, I'm connecting with you. I get it. We're speaking the same language. We're we're understanding each other. And now it's like, I could see this person as part of my family. I would want them here. And in order to get that interview, they they need to speak the same language as a job description. It starts all the way back to there because a lot of times they create these resumes or they think I should hire someone to build a resume and pay $1,500 for that. What, but, but they don't realize they have to customize it every right. time to every job to speak the same language. So you just wasted $1,500 because yeah. you got to redo it. Right. So, you know, just that generic, but if you're speaking the language, meaning that if whatever they're calling a specific thing in the job description, if your company calls it something different, you need to call it what they are calling it. Because you don't have to lie, but you have to use the same verbiage so that the system can recognize that you're qualified for the job. Because we put in information that makes the system decline you, the system reject you, right? Well, because you didn't do your homework. You didn't, you, if you just send the resume out as is, you get declined and they say, I send out a hundred a week and nobody wants me and then they get even worse. And you're like, well, you're sending the same resume. You're not speaking the language. It's like you're speaking gibberish and the Mm -hmm. system has no idea what you're saying. So they have to reject you. Every company probably has its own identity. If you you want to call it, if every company was a person, they'd have their own identity and you really do have to pay attention to what that identity is. Yep. That makes perfect sense. And you talked about three areas that you focus on in the preparation process. Can you elaborate a little bit more? So I first start with the you. Most clients come in there just want to, they, they want a job and they want to change careers and all that, but it starts with them. Because a lot of times they're not getting where they really want to be because they're holding themselves back, right? Mm-hmm. So I work on themselves and, and how they're holding themselves back. Who do mm-hmm. they want to be? Mm-hmm. over the next 10 years in their mm-hmm. life and in their career? What kind of woman or man or whatever it is, do they want to be mm-hmm. uh, moving forward? Not who they were and all the stories they've been telling themselves, but rather, who do they want to be? Mm-hmm. And we look at their life, we look at, we create tools that pull, because most of us fixate on the negative of the past, right? Not the mm-hmm positive of the past. Mm -hmm. So we work on creating what you got from that resiliency, Mm -hmm. strength. What is that? What are those things that you got that are going to carry you through? And then only then when they're ready, 
do we look at the where they want to be and right. how life fits into that? Because then it, it can be easily put together. Right. And so you don't want to bring the foundation. Right. No, and then let me elaborate on this because you're talking about resistance training, really. We have adversities in life and resistance, and you don't want to bring an, an unfinished product to your next location. Figure out what did you learn so yeah. that you can speak of it as a positive thing that made you better in some way. Yeah, and if you lost your job, how are you showing up? Like what, what caused that? You, mm-hmm. you were part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it could be the culture, it could be the manager, but it could be how you're showing up. And right. you can think that you're one way, mm-hmm. but be, or be trying to be a certain way. And mm-hmm. the more you try to be that way, the more you're the opposite of what it is, because mm-hmm. you're so fixated on it, that right. you, you're not it. So right. most of the time, they're, they're their own worst enemy in this whole process of career and life. Oh, totally. We get in our own way more than anybody. And and the reality is number one, we have the most responsibility. We are, we are most responsible for our success than anyone. People can come against us or whatever, but ultimately it's when we hold ourselves back that we fail the most. Yep. And they don't realize that life and career usually mirror each other. Mm. So if you're having difficulty in one, somewhere in the other, it's the same difficulty. That's huge. In a different way. And so by helping them see, it's not just about your career, you could have a quarter million dollar paying job and Mm -hmm. not be happy because the rest of it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Right? You had you need to have all three pieces for it to even have a chance of success, right? Let's spend some time on that because that's a huge nugget. Like for the audience out of the whole thing, if you get nothing else, everything is related. And I love that you're saying that if if there's a problem in one area, because some people find refuge, they stay at work or or they'll compartmentalize their life and that's their way of coping or whatever. But you're suggesting if, if what you're saying is true, which I agree with you, that's not healthy. That's not good. That's not solving any problems. If there's smoke over here, there's probably smoke over here too. Talk about that. There's many aha moments for clients. (laughs) I'll ask them, what has life been like from as far back as you can remember to here to today? What was working like, friends like, relationships like, all of that. And they start seeing they may not like people at their company, but they also have no friends Mm. outside in in life, right? Because they're not letting people in, maybe. And that comes Mm. from something that maybe happened to them that they've carried along the way. And once they start realizing that, oh, my God, all the things I hate at work are really in my life, too, Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form, they realize they got a lot of work on the me piece in order Mm -hmm. to get the rest where they want it. So really, one of my favorite things is saying, When they're stuck and they don't know where they want to go, usually it's because they've been sitting in the back seat of a car Mm -hmm. while their limiting beliefs and barriers are driving the car for them. Yes. Right? And they're not driving in their own life or career or for themselves. So I work with them to get in the front seat. Those barriers and limiting beliefs don't go away because we've had them for so long. They rear those ugly heads, Mm -hmm. but they could be in the back seats. And you can drive. So once they get it, they start realizing 
I don't need these passengers anymore. <laughs> I don't need them. I don't need them. I'm okay. I actually can be that VP that I want to be. Yeah. I don't care if my mother said I couldn't be anything but, right. but a receptionist. I don't care. I yeah. can be that. Yeah. So it's a lot about people start out with me about career, but it isn't that. No, I love what you're saying, because let me look at it from a different perspective, because yes, we have to take ownership. If I'm the one in the situation, I need to come to this aha moment that you described. But also we have organizations and HR and huge investment into people issues inside of companies. And some people really hesitate to deal with the personal issues of the person like that's none of my business. But it kind of is your business whether you signed up for it or not, it kind of is because you hired the person and they are doing a good job, but there's some issue there that is affecting their work and it's probably not limited to the work. Yep. No. When I was a VP, I was a VP before I opened up my business for coaching. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, when a person was doing really well and then all of a sudden went like this. Right. right? Big drop. They would want to let them go. They were like, mm. we got to let them go. We can't, you know, it's, it's hurting Gosh. the people around them. And I'd say, maybe, just maybe <laughs> we could talk to them. What if yeah. like they lost a brother or sister, or maybe they're getting a divorce. Something traumatic is happening in their world where we don't know about it. And mm-hmm. it's causing them not to do the, the work that they did before, but maybe we can help them right. work through it maybe it's giving them some time off. Maybe it's giving them, putting the right tools in front of them to get help, whatever that looks like. So that people feel like they're there because you want them there, not just Mm -hmm. because of the work that they do. Right. Right. Because you're investing into the person. You're saying you matter enough that this has nothing to do with work. But yeah. because we understand that we want you to be healthy, we're willing to give you that time off or we're willing to send you to that coach or we're willing to send you to therapy or whatever. There's obviously lots of programs. We don't need to cover that, but we are willing to give you the time to invest in yourself during this season that you're in recovery. Right. And we should expect those seasons from our people regularly because at one point or other, someone's going through something. Yep. Yep. And the more, you know, I know in HR, people are afraid to ask the question, but you know, if the more, you know, the yes. better you, the culture will be because you, people say, Oh, you know, Joe Smith said that they helped, they helped him through this crisis he was going through. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of company I want to work for. And yes. then you're going to see them talk about it or bring referrals in when you have job openings because they they are proud of the company they're working for yes there's a lot of decency behind that i know a lot of times we get caught up on on the you know i don't want to get sued and all that risk risk stuff but if we just treat people like people yep (laughs) it's that simple that's all they want yeah yeah i love that thank you so much for this if you had one thing to say, I mean, you've been doing this for, for a minute or two, but obviously we're transitioning into mixed types of environments where we may not have as much access personally to people. They're not in the office as much. Maybe we have a hybrid program where people are at home. Have you found that that changes anything in terms of how, how much harder or is it easier in some way to connect with people on a personal level? I think 
this whole thing of remote working from home is hard. It's very hard because you, it's hard to connect. Like it would be mm-hmm. easy to have a, an interview with you in person, right? right. Different mm-hmm. than it is on Zoom. Working, I think the pandemic has taught companies how to be more empathetic mm-hmm. to the people that are working for them and how to connect more through remote than mm-hmm. they did when they had remote people outside of say the corporation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. remote people I know in in when I was the VP was difficult it was very difficult to to keep them uh, engaged Engaged. in the company and engaged in parties that go on or different things so I think zoom caused us to do things differently like I heard companies have sent lunches out because everyone gets lunch, right? Usually oh, that's cool. in a big meeting. So they would say, order your lunch and it goes on the business and you have your lunch or sending out pizzas or so that that engagement is still there, but you're on a Zoom. So I think it's teaching us how to not be in the same place but mm. still be empathetic, still be engaged or interested in that employee. I think we're going to find more remote working than we ever thought. We're going to have more offices empty, I think, because we found out over a year and a half how it can work because we were forced to. And, and I like that you're bringing up that the, with a little bit of creativity and intentionality, we can certainly bridge that gap. So I, I love that advice. Thank you so much. What's the best way to connect with you? You can get me on LinkedIn. You can get me on my website, inspiredintegration.org. I have videos on YouTube. You can find me everywhere. Excellent resources. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you guesting on our show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Powerful at Work Radio. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly teachings to shift your perspective on how to thrive in the workplace and stories from experts and career professionals who are daring to do work differently. And we want to invite you to the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast. And you can also visit us on Facebook and join the group Empower to Bloom Tribe, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your career journey and also interact with like-minded professionals. I'll see you there.